minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Shlomo Katz is amazing. He is great. Uh, that's Bowie Shalom, of course, here on a JM in the AM Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Yosef Karduner, Yom Zeli Yisrael. Schlockrock from a Shabbat in Liverpool with Yom Zemechubad. Lechadodi from the Moshav Band. Yedidim Choir and Kayal. That came from a listener's suggestion yesterday during our live lunch. And that was a good suggestion, I must say. Uh, Yisrael Werdiger with Bowie Vishalom Regesh, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. JM in the AM on this Friday, it's January the 30th, day 10 in the month of Shvat, the year 5775, Tav Hay, Erev Shabbos Parshas Bishalach, it's Erev Shabbos Shira, means two Bishvats right around the corner. In fact, this Wednesday, we present our two Bishvats special. Mayor Weingarten will be in the studio. Someone told me, someone told me that Ironically enough, the coldest day of the year is going to be Tu Bishvat, meaning here in the New York area. The coldest day of the year. I wonder if that's true. i got to check this out. Where's my weather forecast? Where's my expert meteorologist? Oh, we fired our expert meteorologist because they predicted 30 inches of snow the other day. I forgot. I have to get back an expert meteorologist here. I didn't realize how much I would miss them, but I need them now because I need to find out if, in fact, it's true that on Tu Bishvat we'll have our coldest day of 2015. Um, anyway, one way or the other, whether it's cold or not, we have our um, Tu Bishvat special coming up this Wednesday. So, this, no, this this seems like a false rumor. This seems like a false rumor. Temperatures in the highs in the 20s Monday and Tuesday. It's really Monday night that it looks like will be the coldest. Monday night of next week, 7 degrees. Friday night of next week, 6 degrees. But Tuesday night, Tubishvat 16. Wednesday, Tubishvat 40. So whoever made that claim was mistaken. It's not going to be the coldest day of the year. Uh, next Friday might be the coldest night of the year. Anyway, enough about the weather, that's for sure. JM and the AM, reminder, our big uh, kosher halftime show is happening on Sunday. 8 p.m. Eastern Time, it becomes available to everybody, and then you can watch it whenever you wish. We recommend watching it during halftime instead of whatever other people might be presenting during halftime. That's why we call it the Kosher Halftime Show. Um, but if you want to, uh, if you want to watch it any other time, see a, an amazing performance by Soul Farm, 
then you could watch it whenever you wish. And a big thank you to everybody who's involved, including, of course, the Abe Neymark Foundation, friends of the Abe Neymark Foundation, who made the Kosher Halftime Show for 2015 possible. Thank you to Shari Tzedek Medical Center and Yeshiva University and our friends at Barkan Royal Wines and uh, our friends at uh, votora.org and our friends at Gourmet Glot and our friends at Abel's and Hyman, who I'm sure are going to have a lot of product bought and eaten between now and the Super Bowl, it's for sure. Thanks to all of them for making it possible for the Kosher Halftime Show to be uh, presented this coming Sunday. We are looking forward to it. Soul Farm will be at the top of their game, that I could tell you. So we are very much looking forward to it and getting ready to enjoy. 34 degrees. This morning we've got some light snow and wind with a high of 37. Partly cloudy, windy tonight, low 13. Wow. Sunny and windy for Shabbos, a high 26. Yerushalayim's at 54. We're at 34 here. I thought it was pretty warm for this morning. I'm telling you, after that light rain and snow last night, if the temperature would have been lower in this area, it would have been treacherous walking. Lots of black ice. In fact, if it is if it is 10 degrees colder where you are, if you're in the 20s where you are, be careful. A lot of light snow and a little bit of rain fell last night, and now that could be frozen and very dangerous. So be very, very careful out there. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, is going to join us. He'll be on this morning at um, 740. And there is a lot to talk about. Oh, boy, is there a lot to talk about. It's been quite a week. So that'll be happening, uh, that'll be happening at 740 this morning here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 815 with a Torah portion of the week. Naomi Nachman has a wonderful show coming up on, at nine o'clock this morning. Um, her, her two Bishvat special will include Russell Robinson, CEO of the JNF, Naomi Ross of Jewish Cooking Concepts, and, of course, Jay Booksbaum, Royal Wines. They'll discuss the history of the JNF and the current work they're doing in Israel, along with the spirituality of the Shivat Minim. Naomi Nachman, between 9 and 10 o'clock this morning, right after JM and the AM with Table for Two, a show perfect for the day, the Friday, I should say, before Tu Bishvat. So uh, get ready for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Naomi always does an incredible job. Ellie Marcus is out with a brand new album. We have it for you at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. David Dax. Nice medley of music from the uh, from his most recent CD entitled Shira Sayam here at J.M. and the A.M. A minute before uh, 7 o'clock in the morning on this Friday, Erev Shabbos, Kosher Halftime Show, Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. It'll be available on the uh, website, NahumSiegel.com. Soul Farm stars in this year's Kosher Halftime Show. Big thank you to everybody, including our presenting sponsor, the Friends of the Abe Neymark Foundation. Big thank you to our friends at Sharet Tzedek, to our friends at Yeshiva University, to our friends at Votorah.org. To our friends at uh, Barkan Winery, Royal Wines. Uh, to our friends at Gourmet Glot. To our friends at Abel's and Hyman, who are probably going to be responsible for a good, good number of uh, of big game treats being consumed on Sunday in our community. <laughs> big thank you to everybody who made the Kosher Halftime Show possible. Soul Farm in concert. With three amazing selections coming up Sunday. The countdown, what does the countdown say? The countdown says two days, 13 hours, and one minute until the Kosher Halftime Show. It will be available on the website, NahumSiegel.com. And we are very much looking forward to it. Before David Dax, you heard Yehuda Green with Kolam Vachad. Winery Brothers had Esau Enai. Eli Mark is brand new with Shei Bane here at JMNAM. It's Arab Shabbos Parshas Bashalach. Erev Shabbos Shira, candlelighting at 4.50. Wednesday, as we said, is Tu B'Shvat. The big Tu B'Shvat special will be Wednesday. Mayor Weingarten will be here in our studio and help us celebrate Tu B'Shvat. Naomi Nachman with a big Tu B'Shvat special coming up at 9 o'clock, right after JM and the AM. She's got a big Tu B'Shvat special on the way. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmandtheam.org. Our incredible stream goes all day long at jmandtheam.org. Make sure to be tuned in. Great way to listen is through the NSN app, the Nahum Siegel Network app. Install the app on your Android or iPhone. You will love it. You will love it. It's amazing. Incredible. And I'm not even exaggerating. Candle lighting at 4.50, 10 minutes before 5 p.m. on this era of Shabbos. 34 degrees, some light snow and wind this morning with a high of 37. Malcolm Honline with the weekly update coming up at 7.40 this morning here at JM in the AM. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Toe from JM in the AM. גליצה על השעה שתיים, כאן קרמית ראובן בצלאל עם מה שקורה עכשיו. טרגדיה בקריית שמונה, ילד בן שבע נהרג מפגיעת מכונית סמוך למעבר חצייה ליד בית הספר שבו הוא לומד. הנהג הדורס בן שלושים ככל הנראה לא הבחין בו. כתבנו גיא ורון מוסר כי צוותים של מגן דוד אדום קבעו את מותו. הנה פרמדיק מגן דוד אדום דורון שטרית שהגיע לזירה. כשהגענו למקום מצאנו אותו עם פגיעת ראש קשה ביותר, נמצא מתחת לרכב, היה ללא רוח חיים, חילצנו אותו, ניסינו לבצע פעולות החייאה, אך ללא הצלחה. 
ישראל נמצאת תחת מתקפה מתמשכת מצד איראן, כך אומר ראש הממשלה נתניהו לאור האירועים האחרונים בצפון. כתבנו קובי מנדל שמע אותו בעת ביקור החיילים הפצועים מהתקרית בארדוב. אנחנו נמצאים תחת מתקפה מתמשכת שמאורגנת על ידי איראן, שלא יהיה שום ספק בזה. זו אותה איראן שפותחת נגדנו חזיתות חדשות, זו אותה איראן שהמעצמות עכשיו הולכות לעשות איתה הסכם שישאיר בידי היכולת לפתח פצצות גרעין. שר הביטחון יעלון הביע תנחומים בפני שר ההגנה הספרדי פדרו מורנס בעקבות מותו של חייל ספרדי בתקרית בגבול לבנון. בשמי ובשם העם בישראל אני מבקש למסור תנחומים על מותו של החייל דברי יעלון. כתבנו טל אברהם מוסר כי החייל נפגע ככל הנראה מאש שהשיב צה"ל לשטח לבנון בעקבות תקרית ירי הנ"ט לעבר ישראל. המדינה מפרסמת מכרזים לבניית מאות יחידות דיור בשטחים, כתבנו ענבל תמיר. לאחר חודשים שבהם לא פורסמו מכרזים ולא אושר תכנון בשטחים, משרד הבינוי פרסם הבוקר מכרזים לבניית כ-450 יחידות דיור בקריית ארבעה, באלפי מנשה, באלקנה ובמגרון מזרחה סמוכה לאדם. ממשרד הבינוי נמסר כי מדובר בשיווקים חוזרים שנכשלו בעבר, המשווקים באופן אוטומטי על ידי גורמי המקצוע. משלום עכשיו נמסר בתגובה כי מדובר במחטף שלפני בחירות בהובלת שר אורית לונדון, בת 24, היא הצעירה שמתה מפצעיה לאחר שנפגעה באורח קשה בשרפה שפרצה בשבוע שעבר בבניין בשכונת פסגת זאב בירושלים. כתבנו יותם ברגר מוסר כי כוחות הביטחון ממשיכים בחקירת נסיבות הדלקה וחושדים שמדובר בהצתה מכוונת. צו איסור פרסום הוטל על פרטי הפרשה. המנצח הישראלי ישראל ינון התמוטט ומת במהלך קונצרט בשוויץ, כתבתנו עפרי אשל. על פי הדיווחים בתקשורת המקומית, באחד משיאי הסימפוניה נפל ינון בן ה-59 מבימת המנצח והתמוטט לנגד אולם הקונצרטים המלא בלוצרן. הנגנים ירדו מהבמה והקהל התבקש לעזוב את האולם. צוותי רפואה שהגיעו למקום קבעו את מותו של ינון, אולם סיבת המוות עדיין אינה ברורה. במסחר במטבע החוץ נחלש היום הדולר בכחצי אחוז ושערו היציג נקבע על שלושה שקלים תשעים ושתיים אגורות וארבע עשיריות האגורה. האירו התחזק בכשלוש עשיריות האחוז ומחירו ארבעה שקלים ארבעים וחמש אגורות ושתי עשיריות האגורה. התחזית גשם קל בצפון ושלג בחרמון. מחר יתחמם וצפוי להיות נאה. אלה החדשות שעורך אילן אהרונוב. בצוות אדר קרפיול ועידו אשכנזי.
Friday morning, final Friday of January 2015. The 10th of Shvat, uh, Tuba Shvat special is coming Wednesday. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas B'Shalach, Shabbos Shira is coming up. Candle lighting at 4.50. Why you Maccabees with Lachad Odi? You heard the Isaac B. Tone company off of songs for her brother with their Lachad Odi. Yeshiva boys had Koli Shema. And uh, Benny, I think we meant to play a different song. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that Yom Noroim song was scheduled for that slot. I think there's another Shabbos song that starts with Coley that it was supposed to, that was supposed to run. Uh, Benny Friedman with Rock Beyachad. Brand new from Kolonishamashali. It's a good song. Good song about Jewish unity, that's for sure. Malcolm Honline will join us. The weekly update coming up at, uh, 7.40 this morning here at JM in the AM. Well, I got a notice earlier in the week. You may recall when we spoke to the folks from the Jewish Link of Bergen County, a very, very popular newspaper. They indicated a few weeks back that soon there will be a Jewish Link of the Bronx, Westchester, and Connecticut. And sure enough, yesterday was their first publication day. And if something's going on in the Jewish communities of the Bronx and Westchester and even Connecticut, you know that our good friend David Winter has to be involved. David Winter is co-founder and co-publisher of the Jewish Link of the Bronx, Westchester, and Connecticut and joins us here at JM the AM. Good morning and Mazel Tov to you. Thank you. Mazel Tov. It's a paper. <laughs> I like that. that. That should have been the headline on page one of the first issue, you know? <laughs> anyway, Mazel Tov, like I say, if uh, something's going on in the Jewish community, up in that area of town, David Winter's got to be involved, right? Thank God. Baruch Hashem. Well, my family's been living here 17 years. Right. And, you know, if you're part of Riverdale, then you're part of New Rochelle and Scarsdale and all these other communities up, up to Stamford. But, of course, you and I, we have a history going, in Riverdale going back, 
I hate to say it's like 30-something, almost 40 years. Yeah, I was going to say it in a way that would sound even more drastic. I was going to say the 1970s. Oh, my gosh. The 1970s. Yeah. Oh, boy, oh, boy. And the Riverdale community, let's just talk about that for a moment before right. we talk about all the other communities. The Riverdale community... I mean, obviously, it's grown since the seventies, but it's just a. It seems like it's had this steady rise in population and in popularity ever since then. Well, what's amazing is, yes, there's always people coming to Riverdale, and there's always new ways to finding people to stay in Riverdale. But what's also incredible about Riverdale is that everybody kind of gets along. Mm. It's a it's a fairly small footprint. People love it because it's close to the city. It's beautiful. You know, the views that we have. Oh, yeah. But it's also the conservative shul, the orthodox shuls, the modern orthodox shuls, the open orthodox shuls. All of these shuls, we all get together. And we all get along. And that's what's really incredible about Riverdale. Oh. You know, when we thought about starting a newspaper, we said, sure, Riverdale's great. But, again, you can't do Riverdale without doing everything around it and everything what comes from it. You go up to New Rochelle, a lot of those people came through Riverdale. Right. Uh, and, and by the way, it's, it's more than you just mentioned earlier. It's beyond the New Rochelle, Scarsdale. There's so many other uh, communities in Westchester that, uh, again, maybe the Orthodox presence is not as large as some of the others, but really have a tremendous Jewish presence up there. They really do. It's really it's a chain. It's a link in the chain that goes from Riverdale through Stanford and even beyond. I mean, when, when, when the, the communities roll off my tongue, we say, you know, you have Riverdale, Yonkers, New Rochelle, Scarsdale, Mount Vernon, Harrison. Mm -hmm. Harrison is an up-and-coming, wonderful Jewish community with a great young Israel. Mm -hmm. And then you go up, you have Stamford, you have Greenwich. West Hartford wants to get into the act. Wow. This, is a, this is a non-broken chain through, through all of these communities. And before, there was no vehicle to talk to all these communities together. And now we have it. And, you know, people talk about a newspaper. Don't you know what year it is? In 2015? 2015? Come on. I got my little, I got my phone. I got my computers. I got everything. But thank God we still have Shabbos. <laughs> Shabbos is a great starter for this paper, but it's, it, it's a great reason to pick it up. But once you pick it up, you know there's so much more to it. David Winter with us, Jewish Link of the Bronx, Westchester, and Connecticut. By the way, there are other areas of the Bronx as well, right? Aren't there? Are there? A hundred percent. We've been hearing from from Pelham Parkway. We're we're covering news in the Einstein community. Right. I mean, they're still alive. This past week, the president of Israel was in the Bronx. That's right. Of all places. That's right. I, I met him. We visited with him. He was with the Bronx borough president, talking to Latino business leaders. The Bronx is still a happening Jewish place. Of course, there's great history, but. There's current history also, and there's a great future, of course. How do people get the Jewish link of the Bronx, Westchester, and Connecticut? Is this going to work like the Jewish link does in other neighborhoods? Will it be available? Yes, yes. Different than a lot of the other Jewish papers around, we offer free home delivery. We'll get delivered with your New York Times, or if, if you happen to order the New York Times. Right. But the same delivery system, Friday morning, it'll be at your doorstep. It's also available in 63 locations along the corridor from Riverdale up to Stanford in the typical Jewish restaurants and, and grocery stores. And it's also available online at the Jewish link, BWC, Bronx, Westchester, Connecticut, dot com. I didn't know there were 60-plus areas that you could put this out in the... Uh... When, when you think about all the schools, the shuls, oh, yeah, the JCCs, true. the kosher restaurants... That's true. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's a, it's a wonderful Jewish community, this, this corridor of ours. You know, you mentioned something earlier about the, uh, the, the fact that you... That the community up in Riverdale, we'll talk about that for a moment, has, you know, has developed over the years ways and 
reasons for people to stay in the community and actually raise their families there, not just a stopping point for, you know, you know, uh, families, uh, you know, young families, uh, or I should say young couples who are just, you know, married a year or two. Uh, the, the majority, I would guess, correct me if I'm wrong, the majority of the residences is still apartments or not? Up there. Well, I mean, the the footprint stays the same. There are a lot of apartments, and occasionally there's some new construction homes, but it's it's mostly apartments. And even yeah. and I even mean, and even with that being the majority, you're still able to you know maintain a presence like that in terms of a community, which is pretty amazing. It, it really is amazing, and it expands. Like for me, I live in North Riverdale. All right. Who would have thought there was a North Riverdale? Yeah. Riverdale was Riverdale, but we have a wonderful community up here. Rabbi Shmuel Hain is our rabbi. Young Israel of Tzedek. It's a wonderful place, and it was it's an affordable place, uh, so it expands naturally. It's, ama- it's amazing it took till now to put together a paper like this for that community, you know? When you think about you know it. what? What's amazing to me also is I've been working for the Jewish community for so many years. When this idea came out and we started to spread the idea, all positive feedback. Everyone says, wow, great idea. Yeah, mm. how come we never thought of that before? Mm, and be. here it is. It was a dream four months ago, and in the office we all raised the L'chaim and we said, I'd may have asked from pages. <laughs> what are you at this week for your inaugural this issue? Week, Hashem, our goal was 36 pages. We're at 40 pages. Very nice. 40 filled with, uh, unfortunately, our lead story was what's going on at Hardove. Right. But uh, you know, right below that was the SAR dinner. Right. Local SAR, you know, a, a, a pillar of, of this community. But then mm. we have news from, and as I mentioned, our first Dark Torah, Rabbi Dave Walk. Oh, talk about Riverdale. Stanford, Connecticut. Talk about somebody with Riverdale roots, huh? Yep. Yeah. Rabbi, Rabbi Walk and I reunited up in uh, December, uh, Shabbos Hanukkah up in Stanford. Uh, there was a great reunion. And uh, not only does he provide a Devar for you, he actually has a, a safer, a book of Devar for the Parshios, which is pretty amazing. So That is amazing. So there you have it, folks, the brand-new newspaper, yet another Jewish link. It's the Jewish link of the Bronx, Westchester, and Connecticut. David Winter is co-founder and co-publisher. And like we do with all the other Jewish links who have been uh, popping up all over the place, uh, we wish him and his entire staff the best of luck on this brand-new venture. Uh, this will be a, a wonderful opportunity to spread the Torah, to spread news, and do so in a in a fun format and a uh, fa- family-friendly format. And I commend you for that. Thank you, Nachum. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and good luck with issue number one. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. Those of you up there in the Riverdale to Stamford Corridor, as David Winter just described it, issue one of the Jewish link for that area is available now. just was published yesterday. We say Mazal Tov to them from all of us here at JM in the AM. We've got the uh, weekly update coming up. Malcolm Honline is going to be joining us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. That this segment is coming up here at JM in the AM. One of the ways we recommend you listen is through the NSN app, Nahum Segal Network app, which is available around the world on iPhone and Android. Don't forget Kosher Halftime Show this coming Sunday. Soul Farm performs in the second annual Kosher Halftime Show presented by us. A big thank you to this year's official presenter, the Friends of the Abe Neymark Foundation. We thank them very much. We thank everybody who was involved in this year's production, including our friends at Shari Tzedek, our friends at the Barkan Winery, our friends at Yeshiva University, our friends at VoteTorah.org, our friends at Gourmet Glot who seem to be involved in every project we do, and I thank them for that. Our friends at Abels and Hyman, they also seem to be involved in all the projects we do, and I thank them for that as well. And this coming uh, Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 
That kosher halftime show will be available on the website that we call NahumSiegel.com. Two hours, two days, 12 hours and 27 minutes from now it'll be available. And we're looking forward to it. Naomi Nachman has an amazing program coming up today. Oh yes. It is her Tubishvat special. Naomi Nachman, table for two, nine o'clock this morning. Right after JM and the AM, it's a Tubishvat special. Russell Robinson, CEO of the JNF, Naomi Ross of Jewish Cooking Concepts, and of course, the world's number one kosher wine sommelier, Jay Buxbaum, will all be on. They'll discuss the history of the JNF and the current work they're doing in Israel, along with the spirituality of the uh, Shivat Minim. It's all coming up with Naomi between 9 and 10 this morning, right here at jmandtheam.org. And um, you'll have an opportunity to catch... That brand new show on our stream and enjoy. Always an amazing program today, no exception. Our Tubishvat special is Wednesday with me and Mayor Weingarten in the studio right here at JM in the AM.
that every Az Yashir I could find. <laughs> it is, after all, Erev Shabbos Shira. Erev Shabbos Parshas B'Shalach here at JM in the AM. Arye Kunstler had the first one in the Kol Noar Boys Choir, then Shira Hadasha here at JM in the AM. I want to take this opportunity wish a Mazal Tov to a Jesse Brenner. Uh, Jesse Brenner, who's the daughter of our wonderful friends Adina and Zev Brenner, is celebrating her Bat Mitzvah this Shabbos. And we say mazal tov to her from all of us here at JM in the AM. And we should continue to share many wonderful occasions together. And uh, we wish them mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Candle lighting at 4.50. Wednesday, our two Bishvat special kosher halftime show this Sunday. Happening beginning at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. It will be available on our website at nachumsegel.com. Starring Soul Farm. A big thank you to the Abe Neymark. Foundation and the friends of the Abe Day Mark Foundation for making the whole thing possible. And a big thank you again to the list of uh, folks who came through for us with the Kosher Halftime Show, including Yeshiva University, Votorah.org, um, Sharet Tzedek, Barkan Winery, Gourmet Glot, Abels and Hyman, as I said earlier, some of whom seem to be involved in so many of our projects, and it's much appreciated. Naomi Nachman coming up. Nine o'clock this morning with a great Tubishvat special on table for two right after JM and the AM and a reminder of Rummy host Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night at ten. Matis hosts JM Sunday starting at seven AM Sunday morning on our stream at jmtheam.org. And a big hello to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible live stream to all their readers. Head on over to their website to uh print out plenty of articles before Shabbos if you wish. Malcolm Honline 
is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here on this uh, Friday morning. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, thank you. It's great to be with you, as always. I appreciate that. And what a week it has been. There is... Uh, boring. There is so much going on, and so much that we just don't understand. Um, but I guess we'll start with the following. We have, over the last, I don't know how many months at this point, encouraged people to continue to thank and laud uh, Senator Menendez of New Jersey because of his stand regarding sanctions in Iran. It seems he took a turn on that issue this week. Could you tell us what he said, what he plans on doing, and if we should temper our thanks a bit toward the senator? No, his leadership uh, remains very significant. He's uh, taken the issue uh, of the sanctions building, the additional sanctions, I should say, and um, what what's happened this week that is really misunderstood to a degree. He didn't back off support. What he did call on his fellow Democrats, in a sense, to uh, wait until the March, March 23rd, 24th, whatever the deadline uh, they set. But, in fact, the Senate calendar would have dictated that the issue wouldn't have come up, the bill couldn't have come up until March. And what they assured is that it would be taken up immediately. It essentially gave the White House a deadline. The White House can claim the... Uh, you know, get, get satisfaction for the fact that they bought this time. But it says to them now, you said you needed the time that if this passed, it would sabotage the negotiations, and obviously the Iranians would have played that to the hilt. Um, so now the, the onus is there. You have a deadline. The Senate Banking Committee yesterday marked up the bill, so it isn't that the process is dead or, or has stopped. It will continue. Uh, the markup was passed 18 to 4, which was way beyond what the expectations were. And in fact, if you judge by that, and some of the senators who had not previously endorsed the legislation or taken a position supported the bill in the committee, the feeling is that there are now enough votes, or, or there's 66 of the 67 pretty much locked in. Now we want to hear from a few others, including some from this area, like Senator Gillibrand, Senator Booker, who haven't uh, yet indicated uh, that they will support this bill when it co- if it comes up in if, when it comes up in March. Boy, did the media paint this differently than you're telling us. Well, because you know they want to show that the, it, as if they, it doesn't have the support. It is true that a, a lot of pressure was no, not not just that. They wanted to show us that there's a White House victory that the pressure from Washington was able to get them to postpone. Well, the, I said to you that the White House will certainly claim satisfaction for for the postponement. Right. It, there was a lot of pressure brought to bear. I don't think that uh, anybody should be punished uh, because if you if you know the inner workings and you know what the schedule would be anyway, right. it is not such a vast change. So, when Senator- would we have preferred that this thing be passed right away and the White House and the Congress work together and just agree and go to the Iranians and say, "Listen, here's the message that if you if you continue to stall, the, the word is that they that they are stalling on all of this." On this, they stall. Right. On their aggressiveness in the region, they never stall. So, uh, um, 
yeah, I think that there is some uh, misrepresentation about what, what really happened. So when Senator Schumer and others, um, uh, Gillibrand and Booker were still waiting for, as you mentioned, but when Senator Schumer and others, and it's a pretty impressive list, joined as co-sponsors this week, th- this was significant. This was not jumping onto a bill that's now drifting away. This is, as you would describe, just as strong as it was earlier. The bill remains strong. Right. The, the, um, the, ti- the timing's a bit different. That the timing is different. Uh, and again, I, I agree that the, you know the, if the Iranians read this in that way, then it's a bad thing because then they say that look, the White House is, has undermined the support that the that the, the Menendez who who uh, wrote the letter to to his colleagues um, isn't as supportive. He is as supportive, and if you read his statements, you see that he remains committed to passing it. And their feeling is that it will be easier now to get a veto-proof majority in March by virtue of, of the steps that were taken. Right, and the numbers indicate that. All right, um, since we're talking about Washington, <clears throat> so true or false? True or false that President Obama has sent an army of personnel to Tel Aviv to work on ousting Benjamin Netanyahu on the 17th of March? No, I don't think that the president sent them. There are people who have gone, who have worked for the president, uh, some of whom are now working, I think, on the Clinton campaign. I haven't checked the other people I know of one. But the, the charge that's being made is uh, that, the, that these people who work for them are going now to work for a group called, I think it's called One Vote, right. uh, which has received funding from the State Department, supposedly for, uh, to, to rally support for the Kerry Initiative, so I have questions about whether that is a legitimate allocation of taxpayers' funds uh, to work in another country to influence the public opinion. I guess it's done in many places. So uh, the, the only, and I know members of Congress are going to be looking into this. Uh, the, only, the, the question is not whether who's been, who's been brave enough to announce that they're going to look into it. No, well, some members of Congress already said that, including they, Democrats. Well, it's, yes, of course. Oh, yeah. Because okay. it's a question of the allocation of funds. Right. To an organization to engage in such a partisan activity, uh, influencing uh, American policy. If, if the Knesset had allocated money to an organization in America that's working against the Kerry Initiative, let's say, to influence American public opinion on it, I think that there would be an outcry and, and, and you know calls for an investigation by the Knesset as well as probably by some Americans. Right. All right. So for those for those of us who are going to be at the Shabbos table tonight, and the discussion will be the meddling of Washington in the Israeli election, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much meddling is there? Well, you know, there's direct and indirect meddling. There's uh, ways that you can communicate uh, messages uh, aside from this uh, this charge about one vote, which right. I do think is a serious issue to look into. Yeah. Um, it, it has happened in the past, in the Clinton years, other years where you've had, you know, um, activities supported by European governments, by American governments, by others that I think, you know, cross traditional lines and, and even acceptable lines. Uh, do I think that the administration would like to see somebody else at the helm? Yes, I think so. I think they've made pretty clear where they stand. With, with that in mind, if there was no election in March, would Washington have been, would the White House have been as insulted with the way the Boehner invitation to Netanyahu and the acceptance of that invitation uh, came down? Would it have been as big of an issue if there was not an election coming up? Well, for them, yes. Uh, I think that the... Uh, Look, the tensions are very clear between 
the administration and and uh, the prime minister or president and the prime minister. It's unfortunate for both sides. This is not something that, that's good for America. It's good for Israel. It's not good for either. And it's something I told the president in our first meeting six years ago that there shouldn't be public daylight because the enemies of both countries exploit it and it mm-hmm. undermines. I will tell you, for Arab countries, their faith in what they can expect from America, because they do believe the myths about, you know, Jewish control, the Israel lobby, all of these things, and they say if Israel can't rely on the United States, what chance do we have? And the when we see all of the enemies that are rising in the region to America, the the um, attitude towards the United States, even on the part of some of our so-called allies in the Arab world, this is a bad message. You don't show this kind of public dispute and. One can legitimately argue that it was not handled right, and there should have been clearance, and Boehner now says that he did uh, call the White House just before. You know, if the relationship were different, none of these things would be happening, and I think it's too important. Uh, You know, I know the media loves it. I know there are people who love to get into this and to discuss it. The fact is that I think it's painful. It's, It's not acceptable to have this kind of tension that makes every issue a huge or that the Prime Minister, and I, I saw a piece that, that really changed my thinking on it, and essentially it argued the moral responsibility that if the Prime right. Minister mm-hmm. gets an invitation like this, and how it came about, we'll learn, and the process, I think, you know, is something that the books will be written about, and, and people legitimately can question, but the the moral responsibility that in 1939, a Jew, the head of the, a Jewish state then, would have been given the opportunity to talk to the members of Congress about what was happening in Europe. Right. When you see Iran as an existential danger, do you pass up the opportunity to speak to the most powerful body in the world right. to make your case as an educational thing? With that in mind, will the speech happen? Right now, the speech will happen in March. Will it ultimately happen? I would say 70% yes. And the Israeli media's role in all this, we know it's been happening here, we know the reaction from Washington, I asked if there was an election, would it have been as severe, etc. The Israeli media is feasting on this, right? They're, they're, they're calling Bibi to task for embarrassing the Israeli people in Washington. Well, most of the media there is, is not pro-Netanyahu, right. not pro-good, um, so this is uh, fodder for them. So one, they, they took uh, took a few days off of um, focusing on Mrs. Netanyahu and start <laughs> focusing on this. Uh, I, I'm not saying it's not a legitimate issue. I think there are legitimate questions that can be raised uh, about the process, about what happened. But the um, you know the, they beat them up on on everything at a time when we have the problems in the north. You have so many other issues uh, that are are prevalent. Um, and should be the focus of, of everybody's attention. Well, you're right. And with that in mind, I ask you, the last time you were in the Prime Minister's house, did you notice an inordinate number of empty bottles in any of the corners of the home? <laughs> and that they order small bottles of water because you get a big, bigger <laughs> refund on them than, than on the big bottles of water. If you're, By the way, don't do it now, folks. You don't want to miss the rest of the weekly, <laughs> weekly update, but uh, you can Google Netanyahu bottles and you'll see the latest scandal, quote-unquote, in Israel, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world in the web, jmnam.org. Special hello to those tuned in on the NSN app from anywhere 
around the world. But let's go backwards on the story, this terrible tragedy up north. And the reason I say it like that in terms of going backwards is let's start with today's news, then we'll go uh, back to the episode itself. Is there now an official ceasefire, some type of agreement between Israel and Hezbollah for quiet on the northern border? It would appear so. It would appear that the uh, there's a temporary lull. It would be more likely uh, that the uh, after the Israeli strike, the uh, Hezbollah now can claim that they retaliated, that they got their revenge with mm. the killing of the two uh, soldiers, Sorry. and they had, did send messages to the Israelis that they want to, to de-escalate it. They don't want an all-out war, uh, which it looked like they were heading towards. And it seems that Israel, for the time being, accepted. But Israel is on high alert in the north. There was a lot going on. You know, they started drilling in various locations to look to see if there are tunnels. They um, th- There are these strange buildings that have appeared four or 500 meters from the border uh, in the Golan. Uh, and uh, uh, they believe that they may be just a front for, pe- for, for digging like they did along the Gaza border. Um, and the uh, we have revelations in Egypt also of them finding these new uh, and, and longer borders between Gaza and Egypt, and we'll talk about that. Uh, but the so the situation of the Golan is very complicated. It's very uh, uh, testy right now because you have on the other side maneuverings going on. It's not ISIS, which is really still distant from from the Golan itself, but Al Nusra is very active there, and Hezbollah and the Iranians. The fact that when Israel struck and they killed an Iranian general from the IRGC, and that you had pictures of yesterday of an IRGC general going to visit the the grave of uh, of Munia, the head of the uh, Hezbollah group that was killed there, and the belief was that this was planning a, a, a mission to plan out an attack a- against Israel. Uh, the very fact that you have the presence, you see the escalating Iranian role. The, the buildup of missiles, everyone knows that there are more than 100,000 missiles, but they have other new uh, equipment, new weapons. This was the, the soldiers were killed. They were two kilometers from the border and were killed by a, um, an anti-tank rocket, which mm-hmm. is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And it appears that they did not have an armored vehicle. Uh, and so that's something I'm sure that will become an issue at some point, if, if that is true. Uh, so there is an escalation. There is concern that... Hezbollah or others would have an interest in raising the tension. They do not want an all-out war. They know that the the support for that, both amongst Lebanese and amongst others, and even there were some courageous uh, spokespeople in Lebanon who who came out against it and and spoke about the the danger of the escalation. So you got to explain that. Why why would they not? Unless they're just simply not prepared for it. Is that is that the reason they don't want an all-out war? Because they're simply not prepared for it at this point. Well, there are a couple of reasons. One is, remember, they they have been bled by the fighting the, in in Syria, where they could have a couple thousand of their men. They've lost perhaps uh, fifteen hundred uh, of their soldiers, which is a lot for uh, for uh, Hezbollah. Um, the people of Lebanon, they know, are very much against it because they pay the price for you know this kind of uh, uh, of a conflict. Uh, so there are logistical and other reasons why uh, they may not want to see, they don't want an all-out war. We believe that they are planning, and the new strategy, and I talked about this on the show weeks ago, which this planned attack would support, and that is that they want to penetrate, they want to try and take some territory, they want to 
uh, not just use the rockets, but to go on the ground. And that's a lesson everybody learned from IS, that you have to take territory right. in order to put down your marker and to, to Make progress. Uh, claim a, a, a somewhat of a victory. Mm-hmm. I don't think they believe they could hold on to it. So the planned attack was probably more of a terrorist-type attack. And, and they save face because they, they retaliated the way they said they now would. Now they say, look, we retaliate. We, they, right. they can go to their people, say they save face by what they did. Uh, Israel has to make decisions about whether they they uh, accept it. And Jihad Mugnia were clearly for Hezbollah and Iran. Uh, they have uh, upgraded the Golan operation. And um, I think that uh, he, he commanded... Uh, Several dozen selected fighters. Uh, he was an expert in explosives and rockets. Uh, so that all fits why I think that the intelligence would point to the kind of strategy rather than an all-out attack. Right. Um, so much going on with the Israeli election, of course, and it seems it, it seems more than in recent elections. Maybe I've just forgotten that the choice of who gets on the list is a big fact. I don't remember it ever being such a high-profile procedure of who gets on everybody's list. And, of course, enough. Tully Bennett choice of a soccer legend in Israel caused a tremendous stir this week. Did he make a terrible mistake choosing someone like that to be on his list? Well, he dropped out. Oh, he's gone. He's gone already. <clears throat> and what's interesting is that people on the list, how many people are opting off the list? <laughs> Some saying they you know they're doing it for shalom bias uh, for for you know out of respect to somebody else who wanted to see. You saw the fight between uh, uh, with Avi Dichter over the twenty uh, slot, uh, which he lost ultimately, and Benny Begin now being given the eleventh slot, the one that the prime minister could appoint, which was very surprising. Nobody had even mentioned his name, and he has been out of politics for a long time. Is he accepting it? Yes. He has wow. So the name obviously helps the the ticket, but the I don't think that you know he, he himself has had a big following um, because he's been he's very quiet, right. red and uh, humble guy. He's why did politics? Why did Caroline Glick say no to the Lee Kud list? You know, going into politics not exactly the most attractive thing. And she, <laughs> has, she has children to care for. She has. Uh, a, a brilliant career as a writer. I think we would have lost one of the best voices in journalism if she would have gone till he could. I'm glad she didn't well, she go. She could continue to write. That's not thing. Yeah, but it's not this. It's not the same when you have skin in one specific game. You know what I mean? Right, and everything that she said would be seen in the yeah. context it is now. Anyway, for those who want to, to typecast her, but uh, but also you know the the infighting, the question of whether you you have a safe seat. People don't want to be humiliated and be just the one above the cut. Right. You get the 17 seats and you're number 18. Or right. 19. They call it Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL draft, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would not be nice. Not good for your reputation uh, if you're the last guy chosen, right? But that's up to the voters, ultimately, that they can't control. You know, they don't know. They don't know what's going to happen. And in general, I would assume your answer in terms of who's up and who's down is the same as every week, that there's no way of telling at this point what's going to happen in March. Well, it's clearly between the two major parties. The other parties are are uh, of secondary importance. Bennett obviously still polls strongly, but Cajalón is under ten. Lieberman is four, I think, right now. So it's it's between them, and they're two votes apart. But remember that it's not just how many votes; it's who can put together 
61 vote majority right. to show the president that they could do it. There'll be no other visits, right? In other words, Netanyahu might come here in March. Well, he will be in Washington in March no matter what. The question is, you know, what his speaking schedule will be. Uh, but no other candidates will be inv- no other major candidates will be invited to the White House, but which has happened in the past, right? It that, won't happen now, that won't especially happen. now that this is so public. Um, that that won't happen. There was discussion of whether President Rivlin, when he was here this week, would go or would not go. But the, you know, he's nonpartisan. Is the new leader of Saudi Arabia any different from his predecessor? Well, we have a king named Salman. You know, so <laughs> we all love Salman. So that it, uh, it's a good sign. A personal preference being issued on the air. I like that. Right. So <laughs> we get a bagel and a box. If the name is Salmon, the community's got to love it. That notwithstanding, what can you tell us? All along. (laughs) Everybody else's name begins with M. He's the one exception. uh, All along, you know, it has been said, and when I was in Saudi Arabia, I heard it directly that people said, you know, he has dementia, he has uh, other inabilities, and and yet he came in with all guns blazing. He's made some changes, including, they say, in regard to the rights of women, uh, he has uh, shaken up the the uh, government. He's made appointments. He removed Pat Prince Bandar, for instance, whom we all knew as ambassador to to the United States. Um, and the succession uh, is in place. The, the late king put in, in place the succession, so it would be orderly. The question is, what happens after that in the next generation when you get to the grandchildren of the king? He, he was. Uh, this is the last of the. Of Abdul Aziz's uh, sons, I think, um, to uh, and there are. Uh, then you will get into the next generations, and there are also between the sons, and there are many of them. There are the Sidaris who are considered more significant and uh, and less significant uh, descendants of of the king. It depends who the mother was. So the the uh, I, I don't think you'll see any change in policy right now. Uh, I don't think you'll see a change in oil policy, which is very important. Um, and people are going to be looking to to the next stage uh, that will follow. But he faces real challenges. The situation in Yemen, which I know yeah. people have heard us talk about for a long time. But every week it's come a... to it. But everything came to it. Yeah. And they have moved even more radically against the government. They, they are now trying to impose a constitution where the Houthis, backed by Iran, are, are co-partners and, in fact, forced the president, the prime minister, to resign. So they are essentially now taking over. Um, and they, they were ready to accept the demands for, for government sharing. Uh, so, he, I mean, here they, they defeated the government and the guards around the presidential palace, all of this within... Uh, you know, two days, three days, the negotiations that are going on now, I understand, are not going very well. So uh, they face that challenge. They face Iran's intervention inside the country. They um, they uh, are obviously very concerned about the Iran uh, nuclear program. So the king faces serious issues, um, and I think he's trying to keep the domestic scene tranquil and focus then on these issues but i his his big move i think will be more in terms of the domestic agenda did you find it unusual that jordan is negotiating for its uh, down pilot a prisoner of isis when we really haven't seen isis negotiate with anybody to this point yes in, in, in a sense but i think what the jordanians are trying to do is find out if he's alive they are trying to they did the, the 
the deadline has passed, and they have not yet released the woman the terrorist who, who they uh, ISIS wants. Uh, I think they believe the pilot is in fact dead, mm. and that therefore are, are participating in this. <coughs> but they also have to show that they didn't slam the door in Japan. The parents of the uh, Japanese uh, who's being who's held are, are saying if uh, if he's killed, it's because of the king. The king has responsibility. He does not. Uh, it's ISIS's responsibility. We shouldn't uh, divert attention from it. But you see that that they are escalating their activities. That they, in fact, can uh, almost appear to be a legitimate party with which to negotiate. Yeah, boy. These are brutal terrorists. And look what they said this week about how. Uh, they called on Muslims around the world in the West to, to carry out attacks, and they praised the attacks in France, Canada, Belgium, Australia, mentioning it by name, which leads you to believe that, in fact, they either had a role or some subsidiary role, but certainly the very fact that they are supporting and calling for more and more attacks um, tells you that you can't negotiate. There has to be an all-out uh, response to them. And the, the fact is that they are holding on to territories. They lost Kobani in in Syria uh, to Kurds and to with the support of the the coalition bombers, American bombers in particular. But the, they've had other victories in in Syria, and they continue to hold a significant territory in Iraq and Syria. They did murder one Japanese prisoner, right? Wasn't they there? Killed one. There uh, uh, a, a beheading. Yes. A beheading on on Absolutely. tape. And they're beheading people. We see it. Look at the attacks in in. Um, in the Sinai, in, in uh, where, where and in uh, the northern Sinai, where it, scores of people, more uh, 26 killed in one day, and then in Alexandria today, I think Alexandria, they they killed nine people in a bus uh, bombing. Uh, but they are they are have people who set up uh, roadblocks, IS people, and then they summarily actually behead people if they think that they are a collaborator yeah. with the Egyptian government. Just. Yeah, my point. Driving on a street. My point was: remember the days when beheading was uh, dramatic and it actually caught the attention of the world. That is my point exactly. Right. It's become commonplace, and nobody cares anymore. It just—it's become so widespread. I, I said this maybe a month ago or more that the dumbing down of values, the fact that that it's not only not a source of abhorrence and shock, but it becomes a major recruiting tool that they continue, and other groups are doing it because they see. That it works, that you can you can get away with it, and the uh, you know what they're doing in uh, in Syria, we we don't know the full story. We may never know. Uh, we see how the, the new story about the CIA arms uh, going uh, awry with the units, the whole units that America's trained and we invested in, turned over to to the IS brigades. So you see that their appeal continues. And um, they're complaining that they don't get enough arms. And America is saying, look, you can't just have an open spigot of arms because we see that it goes over to the to the other side. And the, uh, the overall, the situation in Syria is too strange about who's supporting Assad. Do they want Assad out? Do they not want Assad out? Right. That the rebels took uh, a base, a key base uh, near Damascus uh, in, in one of the fortified zones that is an approach to, to Damascus. And yet, in other areas, they are being uh, uh, beaten back. What do you think of Michelle Obama and her appearance being criticized in the Middle East? You know, this is 
I, I really don't like this gossipy stuff because we have so many serious issues. Yeah, but I'm not asking from a gossipy point of view. Was it a mistake in terms of the way, I mean, should the United States protocol have prepared her in a different manner or this should not have been expected to be an insult or make waves in Middle Eastern media? Well, it appears to be a statement by her, and that would, you know, that of course would rile, royal the the uh, royals, right. uh, rile the royals. So, um, uh, uh, but I'm not sure that that was the case. It may be that she she just felt it as a Westerner coming there. Uh, I don't know that the others in the party, did Nancy Pelosi, um, right. think, uh, Rice, did they all cover their heads? Did they not? So. Uh, I think when Western visitors come, if it's in a religious, this was not a religious ceremony. This was just a, a shiva call because uh, he was buried as uh, we right away. It's Muslim uh, tradition, so this was more of a, of a social event than it was a religious event. Malcolm. And you know, it's interesting because if, if people knew that the king really disliked Obama and uh, has expressed those views, and and the, you know now. Achrayim most kadoshim, and more everybody that everybody gets sanctified. And the fact, and the question that's being raised is why a big delegation? Why did the president, you know, bring all these people over, members of Congress, others, members of the administration? Obviously, the relationship with Saudi Arabia is very important, and he wants to get off on the right foot with uh, King Salman. Uh, but it, ultimately, it's going to come back to the policies, especially about Iran and the willingness of America to draw the line and take clear positions uh, is really going to be what will win them or, or lose them. Please note, Malcolm compared us to one of those ratings-grabbing gossip shows. Everybody, please <laughs> note that. And I'll come back to haunt them in a future program, I guarantee you. I didn't say you. I said no, I know. Um, one of the – a couple of loose ends uh, – um, uh, from a couple of our discussions. First of all, you mentioned that obviously it, it was a big story last week, and I thank you for bringing it up. The Amia bombing a prosecutor. Uh, the suspicion is, of course, he was murdered. I don't know if you read it. Did you read, did you read the account of the Haaretz reporter who escaped Argentina? Of course. That was unbelievable. Anyway, uh, <laughs> people asked me the simple question that I didn't ask you last week. I, I didn't. I think the answer is no. The prosecutor was not Jewish, correct? I think he may have been Jewish. Oh, might he have been Jewish? But uh, the last report I got from somebody was that, in fact, uh, he may have been Jewish. Oh, he was didn't... Jewish. But, but th- one way or the other, that's irrelevant, right? Completely irrelevant. Right. And there are many relevant things to this. And if you, you remember, I said, and I went on the air that night, and I said, Nisman is not somebody, and I met him, I hosted him here in New York. We worked with him on the case, uh, on his efforts. Um was not somebody I think was likely to have committed su- to commit suicide, especially not on the eve, literally right. hours before his most important testimony of his whole life, the Congress on a report that he worked on for ten years. I think the the uh, uh, you know the fact that the president's response was to dismantle the intelligence unit uh, rather than uh, an all-out campaign to find out who is responsible. The, she first said it was suicide, the evidence of suicide. I said it wasn't, and I heard from people in Buenos Aires saying to me that there, there was another door to the apartment. As it turns out, there was. There was an Iranian agent in Buenos Aires at the time. There was no powder marks on his hand. So if he was if he had shot it, obviously that would have been necessary. They claimed that the door was locked from the inside. Now Locksmith says, well, that's that's not the the key issue. 
this is a, a, a really an amazingly courageous man. There's been he's been harassed, and he had ten security guards. How could they not have prevented this happening? Why was nobody around when uh, when this uh, when the attack took place against him? And and especially on the eve, the the the, the, the night of his. Uh, and he was always suspicious of those security guards. And we know that Iran, the people are named, and it seems now that the his evidence was that the president and the foreign minister uh, Timmerman, who was coming here to New York soon, uh, were were involved in an effort to immunize the Iranians in exchange for an oil deal, which they would probably have benefit or alleged to benefit from as well. Uh, but certainly the the, the trade off here, mm. and um, I think that the Congress and, and others have to, and the administration have to press the Argentinians. Uh, they have. I mean, they obviously have been supportive of the, of the effort to get to the truth on this. But um, you know, he he wrote a three hundred page criminal complaint. There's plenty of evidence in there, and we know that, that the people, including Larjani, leaders of of Iran, who who are named, and the Iranians were saying and. Now there are accusations the American government may have played a role in it to to try and ameliorate some of the of the charges against them. Right. And the very fact that this took place when we're celeb- uh, commemorating the 70th anniversary of of uh, liberation of Auschwitz, when we're looking at at, at a um, country that had whole units just to bring Nazis to save Nazis and bring them to Argentina after the war. And uh, in that larger picture, those who saw and watched the uh, commemoration at Auschwitz this year, which was not a Jewish event, it, it was shamefully not Jewish until Ron, Ronald Lauder made this remarkable, really remarkable, challenging speech to the 40, the 40 leaders, countries, uh, <clears throat> leaders who were there. But we see that now in Greece, the new defense minister is, a, is a, supposedly an anti-Semite. We see the uh, comments by uh, by others, some countries with like the Hungarian Prime Minister talking about the shameful role in the Holocaust, and yet we're seeing the rise of extremist uh, extremist parties. Merkel talked about the warning that the threats to the Jews, and and so some of the leaders took you know courageous, forthright positions, but at the same time, every country that's reporting, Britain, France, are reporting record levels of anti-Semitism. That 50, 60 percent, or 40, 50 percent in some countries of the Violent acts against Jews who are one percent of the population. It's uh, when almost sixty percent of Germans say they want to put the Holocaust behind them. It's uh, you know these are things people have to look at very seriously. That there are messages in it. Uh, the election in Greece that with Golden Dawn remaining the third party, it's a neo-Nazi party, um, and uh, some of their uh, the people who are being appointed are are associated with racist things. They're a delegate to the EU. One of them is uh, supposedly a neo-Nazi. Uh, there are, uh, they use Nazi imagery, the Golden Dawn itself. And this all, at the same time, is a commemorating 70 years of the Shoah and all the lessons that everybody says we learn, and never again when we see it's happening again. Oh, no question about that. Uh, on the, back to Senator Menendez for a moment. So earlier this week when I encouraged people to call his office to voice complaints, about the uh, the postponement of the bill. The truth is that's somewhat improper. We should still be calling and, and encouraging and thanking him at this point, right? We should be encouraging him. <clears throat> we should be encouraging his colleague. It's not to beat up on them, but to right. encourage him to come out publicly now and say 
not only will they support the bill, but they will support an override if, in fact, there is no deal right. uh, by that time. <clears throat> it's an important message uh, to to the Iranians that they see it and that they understand that this is not going to be obfuscated. It's going to be postponed. There are going to be more sanctions at a time when their economy is obviously uh, being impacted by it. And that that it, while it's continuing to support activities, uh, you know, that they are, the, the Iranians are supporting uh, Hamas, for instance. Yesterday they graduated 15,000 people from training camps, kids between from 15 to adults at 21. They're called pioneers of the resistance. They went through this uh, training camp to become terrorists to fight against Israel, that Iran is in no way holding back its activities, certainly vis-a-vis Hezbollah, we see it. They had this 27-meter-long missile that was revealed, and they talk about their strategy against the United States, and, and, and it's why the message has to be, it's not just the nuclear program, the ballistic missile program, the fact that they have, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 of these little midget submarines, they can close the Straits of, of Hermuz, they now can act through Houthi against the Straits in, in Bab al-Mandab in, in Yemen, so they can threaten American shipping. 20% of the oil to the West goes through it every day. They have, um, and they have this to the terrorist network uh, to to, uh, to complement it. And these non-state terrorist uh, uh, groups like Hezbollah, many others that they can. And we saw what they did both in the AMIA, the attack in Argentina then, and Bulgaria more recently abroad. They can attack in the region, and I think they that the we have to help educate and and this is not israel's battle this is not legislation for israel it's legislation right. to support to, for america's security it's the west that's going to pay a price the europeans everybody will pay a price if the, if they are allowed to to move ahead and so uh, they're, they're in link with uh, north korea and more of that has come out something we talked about years ago about the joint effort that they're engaged in, in developing nuclear weapons we saw it in syria we saw it in uh, other places. So. All right, we got to wrap up, Malcolm. We're wrapping. Man, we're wrapping. All right, Malcolm. Thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Have a good Shabbos next week from Jerusalem. There you go. We always love hearing that, Malcolm. Online live from Yerushalayim next week. Noted, folks. Make sure to be tuned in. This time each and every Friday morning, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. <clears throat> Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Bishalach. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Bishalach contains but one mitzvah. It is a losase, a restriction, a prohibition that one is not permitted to go out of their tchum, out of their natural boundary, habitation on Shabbos. Now, Parshas B'Shalach conveniently divides itself into three parts. The first third of the parsha deals with the build-up and the miraculous delivery at the Kriyas Yamsuf, splitting of the Red Sea. The second part of the parsha deals with the divine gift of Mun, the manna that Hashem brought down on behalf of the Jewish people during their 40-year stay in the desert. 
And finally, the end of the parasha deals with the unprovoked attack of Amalek and the battle against Amalek that they waged and we won. Now, I'd like to focus on the Shira, the song that the Jewish people sang when they experienced this great miracle. And I'd like to share with you a most exciting idea of the Beis HaLevi. The Beis HaLevi, in his commentary on Parshas Vayigash, when Yaakov Avinu is on his way down to Egypt, he stops in Beersheba. God appears to him, tells him not to be afraid to go down to Mitzrayim, because just there you will become a great nation. And he promises him at that point, Anochi Ered I, God, will go down with you. Vianochi Aalcha Gamolo. Literally, I will come up with you. On the surface, God is telling Yaakov the concept of Imo Anochi that when the Jew suffers and is in exile, God is there with him, suffering and is in exile alike. However, the Beis HaLevi adds that a great haftacha, promise and assurance, God is giving Yaakov and the Jewish people, Anochi Aalcha, I, God, will be made exalted, Gam Olo, and will be elevated only through the Jewish people. What does that mean? God says, I will be with other nations throughout history, but I will not deviate from the natural course of world events of nature. This I will not deviate for other nations. I will only make the exception of breaking the laws of nature for the Jewish people, on behalf of the Jewish people, that to save the Jewish people, I will allow myself to be exalted above the natural, so the entire world will recognize me through the Jewish people. And this is how he explains and urges that we take a good look at the Shira. I would have thought, like everybody else, what is the primary idea of the Shira, of the song that they sing in chapter 15, after the miraculous splitting of the sea, allowing the Jewish people to cross, and in the same waters, the Egyptian drowned. I would have thought the main thrust of the Shira is, thank you Hashem, for saving us. I have to tell you, that appears in the very last Pasuk, Pasuk 19. Kivasus Paro, 
When Paro's cavalry came with his chariots and horsemen into the sea, Hashem turned back the waters of the sea upon them. And the children of Israel walked on the dry land amid the sea. That is the last Pasuk of the Shira. The primary thrust of the first 18 Psukim is, Thank you Hashem for this miracle, for allowing us to be the vehicle through which you were exalted. We were the conduit through which God's name became great and recognized through us. Thank you, God, for that opportunity that we had. And let's see where I'm making this kind of a statement to back this up. Every night in the bracha after the Shema, the bracha which begins... Emes ve'emuna, and we declare our faith, ve'emunascha balelos. We conclude the first part of the bracha with umalchusoveratzon kiblu alehem. His kingship, they, the Jewish people, accepted upon themselves willingly. Moshe uvnei Yisrael lecha anushira. Moshe. And the children of Israel raised their voices to you in song. With abundant gladness. And they said, and which verse is excerpted? Who is like you among the gods, among the heavenly powers, Hashem? Who is like you, mighty in holiness? Now listen carefully. To whom is this verse directed? Of course it's directed to B'nai Yisrael, but it's directed to the rest of the world. The rest of the world that believed in other forms of deity, that believed in all kinds of idolatry. To them was directed, take a look, there's no comparison. God is above the rest, and there's nothing in His class. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, He is unique. And, listen carefully, what do we say immediately thereafter? Malchuscha, listen carefully, your children beheld your majesty, Ra'ubonecha, Bokeh Yom Moshe, once again, as you split the sea before Moshe, and Zekeli Anuvi Amru, this is my God, they expect Claimed and they said, and once again, towards the very end of the Shira, what is the essence? Not Hashem, thank you for saving us, but Hashem Yimloch Liolam Va'ed. God proves nature is His. God proves He is the one sovereign and Hashem Yimloch Liolam Va'ed. What a beautiful idea that reminds us to put the Shira in the right perspective. And indeed, this concept I'd like to share with you is found in a very powerful Ramban, in Parshas Ha'azinu. I'll be honored if you bring to the table Ha'azinu and turn to chapter 32, Pasuk 26, where 
Hashem expresses His frustration, His disappointment in the Jewish people. For all I've done for you, ouch. What does He say? Omarti Af'ehem. I said I will scatter them. Ashpisa Me'enosh Zichram. I will cause their memory to cease from man. Ouch. Literally, God saying, I'm ready to give up on you. Why does he not bring the Ramban to the table? And the Ramban says very powerfully, and I quote, Hashem bara eso adam betachtonim. Why did God create man in the first place? Sheakir is boro v'yodelishmo that man should recognize his Creator and he should acknowledge Him. And therefore, v'sam harshus b'yado when He gave man free will v'ara lahitiv to either do bad or good v'kashiachatu. And when the majority of the world sinned, birtsonam willingly the kafru and they denied his existence as bad as the Jewish people were we are the only ones that are dedicated to his name and therefore God publicized through them with his wonders and his miracles that he is the God of the gods and master of all masters and this became known to all the people and therefore if God forbid he will destroy them the nations will forget of the existence of God and therefore listen to this very powerful line of the Ramban and behold if there are no Jewish people the very purpose and essence of creation but Adam, why did God create man and the sole investiture of God in man would be betela legamre it would be for naught that's how important the survival of the Jewish people are and therefore the destiny of the Jewish people <clears throat> together with God is literally inextricably bound. But we see that there is that beautiful word in the opening sentence. Then the Jewish Moshe and the Jewish people sang this song by Yomru and they said Lemor. What's the Lemor? Thusly, what's the Lemor? That it say Vayomru Ashira Lashem Kiga Oga'a. The rabbis teach us Lemor means Lemor Ledoros. Tell future generations. The future generations should know that when the Jewish people are saved in the future, you are to say Hallel. And so, Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot, that we are to have some form of public thanksgiving on Purim, be it Hallel, be it the Megillah, which is a form of Hallel. All this comes from that word, that Vayomru, and they said Lemor. Tell the future generations. And if I may, I'd like to say that it's not just Be'ofan Klali. It's not just in a general way that the nation of Israel is charged, but each individual member of Israel is charged as well to be Mashpia, to, pub, to positively, publicly, 
influence those around them of the existence of God, of the goodness of God, and therefore, at work, just the way you interact with the other persons, your employer, other employees, how you speak to your children, how you speak to your spouse, and listen carefully. You go to visit somebody in the hospital, and you see in the next bed, in the next room, you put your head in, and you say, how are you doing? And the person says, a little better. And you say to them, say, thank God. You are literally taking the message of the Shira and putting it, Lamor, putting it as we are charged to do, to glorify and publicly acknowledge Hashem Yimloch Leolam Vaed. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Yehuda Green. Shira Tayam is the name of that selection on this Erev Shabbos Shira, Erev Shabbos Parshas Beshalach. Candle lighting at 4.50 later on. Greetings to those around the world tuned in on the NSN app and on jmtheam.org. Naomi Nachman, you'll be able to see her show at nachmansegel.com and hear the show on jmtheam.org at 9 o'clock this morning. Big two Bishvat special with Naomi on table for two. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night. And Matis has JM Sunday this coming Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Mark Zamek is with me live via telephone as we get set for the big kosher halftime show, which we're making available at NahumSiegel.com this coming Sunday night at 8 p.m., presented by friends of the a- Neymark Foundation and a lot of great friends we've been outlining all through the week here at JM and the AM. Mark Zamek, welcome back to the show. Good morning, Nahum. Good morning. How are you, sir? I am doing well. How are you? Everything is fine. So how are you going to watch Soul Farm on Sunday night at 8 p.m.? What's your plan? Well, so my originally, okay, like I did last year, I could just watch it on my computer, but it occurred to me that I'm watching the Super Bowl on a big screen. Why am I going to watch the halftime show on a little screen? Because I have Google Chrome. Huh? I have what's called a Google Chromecast. So if you have a Google Chromecast, which is a little device you can stick into your computer, or you have an Internet-ready TV... Or you have Microsoft, and I'm sorry, Amazon Fire Stick, which my parents just got. You can easily watch the halftime show on the same screen you're watching the game. Which literally means what? Press a button and then hit play on the uh, video? Um, pretty much. That's it. I Simple mean, as that. You're switching the source on your TV. Right. Uh, you know, it's ironic to say that you can use the Google Chrome device if you don't know how to use it. Go to Google and it'll tell you how to use it. <laughs> um, but literally, because I, I had never done that before. I use it for my Netflix. It was all set up. I never looked at a regular web browser page on my TV that way. I literally went to Google, how do I use my Chromecast to watch an Internet video? And the half a page of instructions came up, and it was in 30 seconds it was all working. All right. So if you have, uh, tell me the three things again. If you have an Internet-ready TV. Right. If you have Google Chrome, Chromecast, it's called. Right. It's about a $30 item you could buy in any electronics store. Or um, and it's called an Amazon Fire Stick or Apple TV. Any way that you can watch the internet, the internet yeah. on your TV, it's totally be a much bigger experience to watch the amazing Soul Farm perform than uh, on your on your TV that you're watching the whole game. All right, so that's how it works, folks. Starting at eight o'clock Sunday night Eastern time, the uh, video will be available on AlchemSiegel.com. You'll see it there on the homepage where the countdown continues. The kosher halftime show with Soul Farm. And when the uh, halftime begins, all you got to do is, as Mark just said, change the source on your TV, press the button on your uh, Internet source, uh, and that's it. The video is ready to roll, and uh, you will enjoy a great performance by Soul Farm and a really fun, another fun kosher halftime show. Mark Zamek, I thank you as usual. And Mazal Tov to you and Rochelle, Jan- uh, excuse me, February the 14th. You're being recognized as honoree guests of honor at the Big Young Israel of Teaneck dinner. I got the invitation. I was amazed. Look, look at that. Looks pretty good, huh? It looks. And by the way, to anybody who sees that invitation, I am smiling. <laughs> you know, we'll leave that up to public opinion. Uh, how many years? At yiot.org, if you'd like to come. P r e s at yiot.org. Uh, or just use yiot.org for information, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, how many years have you been associated with the Young Israel of Teaneck? Um, I think sixteen. Is that day one or just after day one? More of or less. I think I've been on the board. I figured out for the fourteen years I've been on the board. Very nice. I look forward to celebrating with you that night. Thank you.
There he is, Mark Zomick, with some advice regarding the Kosher Halftime Show. Should be a lot of fun, folks. It's candlelighting at 4.50 on this Erev Shabbos B'Shalach, Erev Shabbos Shira here at JM in the AM. Um, Wednesday's Tu B'Shvat, our Tu B'Shvat special happens on Wednesday. And um, Mayor Weingarten will be here, and we are lining up some very special guests as well. Tune in Monday morning. By then, I expect everything to be uh, confirmed, hopefully by then. And we'll be able to talk more about what we're going to be doing Wednesday on Tu B'Shvat. Will it be 10 degrees out on Tu B'Shvat? That could be. Well, nothing we can do about that. Yaakov Shweki, Erev Shabbos. It's JM in the AM.
in the AM, candlelighting at 4.50. That's Jakob Schwecki. Reminder, the YU Sfarim sale begins this coming Sunday up at Yeshiva University. Go to yu.edu for information on that. Want to again wish a mazel tov to uh, Jesse Brenner. Jesse's bat mitzvah is coming Shabbos to Adina, Zev, and the entire family. We say mazel tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Erev Shabbos Shira, candlelighting at 4.50. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys. It's JM and the AM. The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find the gift That's waiting there for you Say good job is Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator is a very special sign
brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Wraps up an amazing week for us here at JM and the AM. Naomi Nachman next with Table for Two on jmtheam.org. You can see the whole show on NachumSiegel.com. Kosher Halftime Show, 8 o'clock Sunday night on NachumSiegel.com. Big thank you to friends of the Abe Neymark Foundation and all of our wonderful sponsors, everybody who made it possible. Soul Farm is going to be performing, and we are looking forward to it, to say the least. Uh, make sure to be tuned in all weekend long to our great programming, including Avrami tomorrow night starting at 10 p.m. and Matis with JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream at jmandtheam.org. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Enjoy the kosher halftime show. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.